Because some dudes, you'll see them in, like, khaki, or not not khaki shorts, but, like, jorts, like, oh, that are covering yeah. the knees, and, like, high white socks, and a beat-up tee, and they're like, oh, I'm yeah. living my life. Yeah. It's it's not for everybody. Not everybody cares, but... That's so funny. Here. Alrighty, guys. So, we are back with another episode of Confidently Unconfident, and I have my... Starbucks bestie, Andrew Shue. Hello, hello. It's exciting because I feel like I never know what people are going to act like. And I think Andrew might be excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, this is going to be the first time yeah. I've ever done something like this. But it, it's exciting. I enjoy long-form conversations. Yeah. And so whatever we end up getting to, I think it should be fun. Yeah. You've never been on a podcast? I don't think it's common for many people to be on podcasts. <laughs> like, maybe if I, I had a name for myself doing something, yeah, but... I'm like, what? Why? Anyway, well, fun fact, Andrew and I know each other through Starbucks. Um, I don't know if we met in 2019. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I got hired back in October 2019, and then that's when I met you and started working at Seville. Yeah. What's funny is I feel like first Andrew and I weren't really friends. Like we, we just did not, to be honest, we didn't really get along. Like I remember I just was like, Andrew's such a know-it-all. Like I would always think that because I worked for a year at Starbucks and then Andrew started working there. And I just remember thinking like, why? Because he became a shift manager. And he would tell me how to do things, and I'd be like, okay, I already know. And I just wouldn't do it like that on purpose just to piss him off. So I was I was the problem. I was toxic. This is news to me. I didn't yeah. know Yeah. I remember I was like, why are you so annoying? You were fine, but there was just, like, moments where I'd be like, I was just irritated at you. Yeah. I didn't know No, why. well, that, that I definitely was aware <laughs> of. But that was, yeah. I mean, you can't control that. You know? Yeah. People are upset. Um, I do remember though, the, that there was one day where I tried like coaching you on something and you like gave me a little bit of flack and I just dropped it. I didn't really want to go into it any, any further. Um, and then at the end of the shift, I pulled you aside and we had a conversation and I was like, Hey, um, I need to be able to have these conversations with you about things that you were doing wrong. I don't mean it maliciously, but objectively, we, we need to be able to do what we're supposed to. And yeah. and I was like, look, I, I just want to be able to have these conversations with you without yeah. all the extra drama. And then after that, we were good, from my recollection. I don't know. I don't even remember that conversation. Yeah. To be honest, I go to work, and I just do my job. Yeah. And no, I think that, yeah, sometimes I'm, like, irritated at for no reason. Like, it could just be, like, you got me on the wrong day. Or you could have said, like, the wrong thing one day, and I'm just like, what? Why would you say that? And then I would just, like, cling on to it for a little bit. Because then now I feel like we're good friends. Oh, yeah. I love talking to you. And yeah. I'm like, but I don't know when we became good friends. I think, I think for me personally, um, the way that I approach jobs most often is I don't, I don't really get too personal yeah. with coworkers. Because, again, just... Just in times previous, that's always kind of bit me in the ass, and so I just kind of avoid that. Yeah. Cuss words, okay? Is yeah, that that's fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> just want to make um, But yeah, so so I don't really do that anymore. But I think just as time went on, and especially doing what you and I were doing, right? Yeah. Like it was you and I opening consistently four yeah. or five days a week together, um, and just doing that for so long, you end up forming those relationships. So. Yeah. So it took a while, but but we got there. 
Yeah. I, you know what? I actually, I feel like, I don't know if I was open about it first, but I really feel like we got, we became friends through heartbreak. Oh, 100%. I think we did. Because I, I remember, I don't know who else, maybe, I don't know who else was there, but I think it was like in Starbucks history everyone was going through a breakup and we just all bonded through like it was Allie okay oh my god yes so shout out to Allie Um, Allie. (laughs) but yeah we we were all going through breakups and I think that we didn't do anything I mean Allie has always been really social but at least for Andrew and I like we both would just like work and that was it like there was just no other fun part of our life at that point and it was just like we were miserable we were kind of annoying or like kind of irritated and at some point it was like wait we're all going through the same bs right now like we have to kind of connect and i i mean i think heartbreak brought us together yeah and i i also think that the pandemic you know um we didn't have much to do like everybody's locked in isolated for the most part um, depending on what you did during that time, but, but yeah. That's funny. Anyway, Andrew and I were just talking about, um, fashion because he is moving to Seattle and I think, I don't know if Andrew really knows, but I feel like he's one of the smartest people I know. He's just so driven and he always plans for everything so well, or he's really great with numbers and, now he just got an internship at Starbucks, and we're all super excited because he gets to leave this crazy heat for two months. And yeah, but I think another way that Andrew and I connected was through fashion and all that good stuff. So he's just telling me about Seattle and how are you feeling about starting an internship or starting your career? Well, well, first off, thank you for gassing me up before I get into all of this. Heck yeah. Thank you. You deserve it. Um, I'm excited, right? Yeah. This has been something that... so. I graduated high school 2016, you know mm-hmm. this. Um, I started my bachelor's immediately after that. Mm-hmm. Um, moved out of the house, got a full-time job while doing this because I felt like I could take on the world and do literally everything all Who at once. Who doesn't? Um, and that quickly became like too, too much. And mm-hmm. so had to step away from school. Um, so this has been a long journey for me. I, I walked away from that for about two and a half years or three years mm-hmm. almost. Um, so at this point I'm like seven years deep in this bachelor's. I still have one year left to go, Yeah. but I, I was committed to it. I knew from the jump that this is something that I wanted to get done for myself. If nothing yeah. else, to have that sense of fulfillment for committing to doing it and then following through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's nice to be just at this final stage in the process where mm-hmm. all the hard work is paying off. I, I got the opportunity and, I, and I'm moving out to Seattle to um, work for a global supply chain team for yeah. the company and I'm going to be there for three months. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to find opportunity there, meet mm-hmm. new people, get into this industry that I've been studying for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really is like, like there, there are instances where people describe it as like starting the first day of the rest of your life kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I, I know that these will change as time goes on. There will be something down the road for myself. But right now, this is that massive change in my life. Like this yeah. is the, the beginning of the next portion of what I'm going to experience. Yeah. So it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, because I feel like maybe we connected through this too. 
I don't know. Did you do well in high school? Were you like pretty academic? So I, like what were, tell me like, what were you like or how, because kind of like you were saying, it's like after high school, it's very much, okay, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to move out. I'm going to be independent. So like, yeah, so you had to have some sort of, it it was, it was a pipeline for sure. So I started out just regular, uh, public education. I went to Whitman elementary, Mesa kids, um, at around second, third grade, I did ELP, and then um, that was turned into, they opened up a, an advanced uh, learning program at a school. It was called Mesa Academy for Advanced Studies. Uh-huh. And this grade, or this school was offered for students between fourth and eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got into that program, and it's all um, leadership-focused, academic focus and so they really incorporate all of these values into what you're doing Mm -hmm. in fourth grade I was taking 10 periods so I would have four core classes first through fourth hour and then fifth and sixth hour would rotate uh, every day and it would be a three-day cycle and so in total I was taking 10 period courses as a fourth grader and so you were so, like a little Albert Einstein baby. No, I was drowning <laughs> is what I was. Aww. Yeah, because it was, it was one of those things where I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to make that shift into this period style courses. It, 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 previously, I had the same teacher from when I walked into school and when I left, you know. Yeah. They would change whatever subject they were teaching us, uh-huh. but I wasn't having to manage the workload on my own. The concept of homework stepping into the school was so foreign to me. We would do like vocab tests and they would give us a sheet of 25 words and we would have a test on it that Friday. But it uh-huh. was like, I didn't even know that that was something that I needed to review, know, and then recall that information on that Friday. Like that was all part of this learning process of me being in this school. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was difficult. I adjusted after a while. Um, but very early on, I learned to look at my grades and understand what I could afford to miss. Mm-hmm. And so, did I have the ability to get great grades? I believe so. Yeah. But I would look at, at the class and be like, you know, maybe I can skip that homework assignment. I, I won't fail, so I'll yeah. be okay, you know. Um, and so that attitude kind of <laughs> kept going. It, it followed yeah. me into high school. Did better in, in college, and I'm doing a little better. But, but yeah, so finished up at the Mesa Academy for Advanced Studies. Um, and that was a pre-IB school. So there's a program called International Baccalaureate. Oh, okay. Um, and it's an international rigorous academic program. And the idea is that, that you, you go through this program, you complete it. It has its own um, high school diploma uh-huh. at the end of it. If you finish IB, then you get an IB diploma. Um, and this is accredited internationally. What um, the heck? Yeah, and like so, in Yuma, they just have like public school and then school for kids who are kicked out of school. Well, so, so it's like what? The funny thing is, is they opened this program up at a high school that if they hadn't done this, they would have shut the high school down. They would have closed it permanently. Okay. This program being implemented was the only reason that they kept this high school running, huh. and this was 15 years ago or so. Um, but the the main focus of all of that was was academics. Um, leadership and it, it was always pitched like as long as you get the grades you do the work you'll be able to write your ticket anywhere you want uh, mm-hmm. for college and so it was always from the jump like thinking about college thinking about um, just the future yeah and so so it, it's just kind of always had that tone for me 
So then what did for it better or for worse? What did it feel like to have this idea and this process like engraved in your mind? Like this is the only way to do it and then going through that process and then like I want to say failing but then no also, i failed like i failed i don't want to be like a jerk because no, I, I dropped out of college too it so is like it no i <laughs> and it, it's like how did you feel after that was it kind of like a whole oh, my whole i it, for a while i couldn't even admit to my parents that i had to step mm, away from school yeah. i was living on my own um and so I, I had that separation where i didn't have to be completely transparent with my parents with yeah. what was going on in my life and this was one of those things where, like, like I had foregone um, going on a mission, continuing my LDS faith, yeah. certain things in my life that, that were expectations that other people had of me to do this academic route. And yeah. so then for me to pursue this academic route and it not work out, yeah. me to fail that, how could I admit that to my family and my friends and the people in my life? Yeah. That, was, that was tough. Were they, did they ask you, did you have the option of going to college or going on a mission trip or was it just? So it, because I was always academically focused, um, the mission was never really on the mind yeah. and it was just about coming up with a way to tell people that mm-hmm. because, because everybody expects that of you mm-hmm. in the LDS church, your family, the people you go to church with, the leadership above you in the church, mm-hmm. um, Girls that you date, right? Yeah. I, I remember dating while wanting to go the academic route while still being LDS. Yeah. And there were many instances where I was like, we had fun, but they were like mission. And I'd be like, no, I'm going this route. And that was it. I wouldn't hear back from these people. Oh, wow. I mean, like I, I would hear back from them, but it, it really was, this was the thing that was the deal breaker. If I hadn't gone on a mission, they weren't interested. I was cool. We had a fun time. But it's... It, and that's deeply rooted in like the way that women in the LDS church are brought up yeah. because they're like taught that that is integral in yeah. having the household and the family that you want. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have that, they may be nice, but that's not going to bring the life that, that God wants for you. Mm. Damn. Yeah. Well, Okay. Two questions because so I want to go just, into, kind of I want to go into like two different ways because you've talked about two things that interest me. And I do want to focus a little bit on, um, it sounds like right after high school and going into your adulthood, it kind of felt like you, everything that you, I mean, you decided to go your own route, the academic route that you thought was going to go well, mm-hmm. and it didn't go well. You also were disappointing your parents. I don't, I don't really know how like strict they were on religion or, but, or how you were on yourself about religion. That's, that was so the biggest it, thing. Yeah. So it's like, how are you feeling about yourself just as a human or as like, what the heck do I do now? So yeah, it, it was quite the process and and it it took years of unlearning i i call it unlearning but that's not exactly what it is but yeah. but realizing that the world isn't as i was told it was mm-hmm. and and the the weight of certain actions and decisions that i have may not be as severe as what it was presented as that's true <laughs> like like there was so many things that it Truly, my life fell apart when this all happened. Yeah. I separated from the church, moved out, had a long-term girlfriend, doing drugs, <laughs> um, like all of this stuff. And then 
Yeah. Um, so it, it took years of, of accepting these things. I was in denial for a long time. Yeah. Um, just avoiding the reality of my circumstance. There was, God, I, I spent a year of my life doing nothing. I was locked in an apartment with my girlfriend, um, unemployed at the time. Oh. I was, I had stockpiled. I, I used to do sneakers and clothing and sell that stuff. So I had um, like $10,000 in inventory that I was just living off of. If I yeah. needed money, I would sell the inventory and I would use that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I bottomed out at that point. It, like local bottom. That yeah. was my bottom point for sure. Um And then it was just about, okay, how am I going to make this work? How am I going to get back on the path that I need to be on? So what, like, inspired that, though? Because at some point you had to be like, I hate where I am. It was was just genuinely bottoming out. Like, like being in that position, looking around, being like, what is is my life? Like, I was was drinking pretty heavily at this time. Yeah. And so it it was one of two things. I either did something about my situation or I continued spiraling in this direction mm-hmm. and who knows where that would have taken me. Mm-hmm. Um, so after I threw myself this couple year long pity party, figured out how to get back on it. Um, and that's, that was me getting the job at Starbucks. I, that's why ah. things were so weird is because socially I had myself locked up in an apartment for a long time, not really socializing or interacting with people. Yeah. So I get this job to be able to pay for school, yeah. go to ASU online, and I'm like, like I was so anxious before my first day thinking about having to talk to people at a register. That stressed me out so bad. Oh, God. So, so bad. But I, I pushed through it because I knew that, that it was a desensitization thing. As yeah. I repeated doing this action, it would become less... Um, stressful for me mm-hmm. and so just picked it up and started going and mm-hmm. so that that probably was a portion of the reason why I was a little weird at the time that is so funny I would have never even like to me it's just like Andrew got a job at Starbucks and then we became friends but it's like you don't think about the life that you were going through or that that was just like a moment in your life where you're like I'm building up yeah. because honestly and maybe this is why we're friends because Starbucks for me was also my like get your shit together moment. Because I remember, yeah, because you were partying it up at in Tucson. Yeah, no, okay, like I don't, I don't know. I think I might have like shared it before, but in Tucson, I was a whole street rat. I was a street rat. Yeah. Like all I did was drink. I was fat. Like no one will say, no one will admit it. But I was. I was, like, swollen from the amount of, like, alcohol I was consuming. I was unhappy as hell. I had no idea what was going on the next day. I had no ambition to do anything. Like, I just knew. And same thing. I had was going to college, and I was like, what the hell am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't like it. I didn't feel like I had a purpose. I didn't feel like... I actually knew what I was doing. And I know now that everyone's like, no one really knows that they're doing whatever. But I was straight up like, I don't want to spend money because I don't know. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. No. I just knew that I hated myself. And I was like, I'm dropping out. And I dropped out. I hated my job. I quit my job. Because at that time, my boss also like blew up on me for something that my coworker did. And I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Blew up on me. I just was like, oh my God. Like... I don't know. I think I just was unhappy and I, I just picked up all my crap, moved to Phoenix because 
my sister was needed a roommate and yeah. that's kind of what happened. I was unemployed for like two months and someone's like, you know, you should see if you should apply at Starbucks, like whatever. And I was discouraged because at this time I had applied at Starbucks so many times, like through high school, you know, yeah. and I guess it was harder in high school because I was. couldn't get a job. Yeah. And for some reason, Christopher Vance, <laughs> he got me on. Gotta love it. But it's like, it, it sounds like, I mean, we had kind of the same experience of like not knowing what the heck was going on yeah. and just like, this is it. Like, this is at least something mm -hmm. to create to get a the ball better rolling. path, you know? Yeah. Like, and I mean, I think it just kind of is whatever, whatever gets you out. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and I think it's, I think like in hindsight, especially in your instance, had you had, because you transitioned straight from high school into college, right? Mm -hmm. And you didn't, did you really have much time to kind of figure out what you wanted to do with your life and the direction you wanted to go? And like, like, did you feel like you understood that? Or at the time where you had to pick, did you just kind of like throw a dart at a dartboard and it was like, that sounds no, good. Literally, that's what I did. Yeah. And the thing is, is that for me, kind of like the pressure that you felt, oh my God, this asshole. Um, <laughs> kind of like the pressure that you felt, it was like, I was student body president, like, cheerleader I was in like every club that you could imagine in high school I like worked I did all these things you know like I felt like I built a pretty good reputation for myself in high school and then when it came to college I was like I don't know what I'm doing oh my goodness okay it's fine sorry Oliver's trying to get a squeaky toy so I'm trying to stop it but um it was like I had all, everybody had all this, all these expectations for me of Jess is going to do all these amazing things because she's done all these amazing things in high school. Like, what will she do in college? Yeah. And the thing is, is like, while all these other people are saying this, I'm taking it in, but I'm in my head thinking, what am I going to do? I have no idea what I'm going to do. And it's, it's like added pressure on yourself yeah. when, when you know that there is a certain level of expectation and, and then you hit a point where you're not reaching that. Yeah. Like. Like, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. One thing I wanted to talk about, because we've kind of talked about, I mean, we've talked about it a lot as friends, but, and, like, I know it was kind of picking yourself up out of that job or school was Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Now you have to say, what do I believe in? And, like, is this actually something that I believe? Like, what was that realization? Because you grew up in this church your whole life, this was all you knew was right, and then you get out of high school, you move out, and you're like, wait, I don't know if this is true. Yeah. Like, so how has that changed the way that you live your life now, or how do you move in faith, or do you move in faith? I think, I think right now, um, I'm still undecided truly on, mm -hmm. on what I believe. Um, I saw too many instances in my experience in the LDS church of someone who was supposed to be um, a, a honest, good person in their mm. dealings with others around them and the way that they treated people. And then simultaneously, I'd see them make some insane political post on Facebook mm. talking crap about a certain community. And I'm like, 
Well, well, what happened to the love one another fundamentals that we are taught as kids? Mm-hmm. Like, like, do we forego that because of politics? And then if, if you are choosing to do that, then what does that say about what, what, the way you are living your life and what mm-hmm. is guiding your decision-making? And so, again, just saw way too many instances of, of those discrepancies. Um, and I, I, in those moments, realized what mattered to me was if you're a good person or not. Like, it is how you treat others. Um, I'm not, I don't believe that I'm going to go to hell for having sex. I don't think I'm going to go to hell for smoking a little bit of weed. Yeah. I think that if I was manipulative, stole money from people, um, was, was evil in that sense, then, then yeah, you, you're going to end up somewhere like that. But, but so yeah, so I, I retransit, I transitioned my beliefs into just whether you're a good person or not. And I believe that if there is a God, then that is what is going to decide where we end up. If there mm-hmm. is something after all of this. I don't know if I believe there is. But yeah. but if there were to be, I think it is merit-based. It is who you are and what you've done, regardless of a set of rules that you're supposed mm-hmm. to follow, where you're supposed to be, the actions you're supposed to take, um, just if you were good. Yeah. So, at least for me, I know... I had so much fear. I grew up super Catholic. Yeah. And I had so much fear about everything <laughs> that mm-hmm. I would do wrong. Like, I don't know, I feel... And I don't know if it was the combination of, like, shame that you would get from some church goers and, like, people that you would go to church with and what they would say about you. Yeah. And my parents' beliefs and, like, their kind of pressure on me to be this certain person but I feel like for a long time and especially getting out of that um, environment where now I'm alone and I am not hearing the same things that I'm hearing every day or I'm not forced to go to church not that and no, anybody was holding a gun to me, but it's yeah, like but, you know what I mean. It's like this expectation in the house to go to church with them. Yeah, so doing. it's like yeah. it's the expectation and. I started going, you know, being alone and in my own thoughts and in my own life. And I was like, what the heck do I actually believe in? Like, I I don't know, because I think that I started feeling shame about literally everything that I would do. Yeah. And it just created all of this anxiety about who I was, about how I would present myself to people, mm-hmm. about what will people think that if I do this... And I don't know, I just feel like it made moving in my life, like just through life, extremely freaking hard. Yeah. And I don't even know how I've learned to get out of that, to be honest. No, there's there's a lot of guilt um, because it's it's like there are these virtues that you strive for within religion and, and, and they are... I don't know if idolized is the right word, but it, it is like these are what you are supposed to attain. And mm-hmm. if you are not doing these things, then you are not living up to what you should be. And yeah. that's that's pressure. And and it's it's even if you don't believe that, your parents are viewing you as someone who is not mm-hmm. living up to those things. And that's further pressure. You mm-hmm. know? Um, within the LDS church, the thing that I dealt with, which is, it, it's such a crazy mind trap. I don't know if we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um 
So they've got the kingdoms, your three kingdoms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they've got Outer Darkness, which they're like, this isn't even a place, dude. This is just like a bottomless abyss that people vanish into forever, and it's miserable, and it's worse than, than uh, like, Earth. Yeah. Um, they pitch all the other kingdoms, the three tiers, as better than our life here on Earth. Yeah. Um, but Outer Darkness is where you end up in somewhere worse than so here So that's forever. hell? Yeah. Okay. The LDS version of hell is Outer Darkness. Um, and there was three different things that you can do to end up in outer darkness. One, it is commit adultery, Mm -hmm. um, sex outside of marriage. Um, I think, I think murder. I'm, I think, (laughs) don't quote me on that one. I may be wrong on that one. Yeah. But the last one is to know the truth and deny God. And so this is like a mental trap, right? For people who are born into the LDS church. Uh-huh. If you, without your, your consent, you are born into this religion and are given this information uh-huh. without having the ability to choose. And then you're told, hey, you now know this. If you choose to do something else, you are denying God. And mm-hmm. therefore you will end up in outer darkness. So technically you're in outer darkness right now if you were to die. Theoretically. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm not a piece of shit. And yeah. so that is truly where my beliefs in like, that can't be the case yeah. comes from. Is like, yeah, yeah. I don't believe I deserve to end up in a place <laughs> like that. I'm like, what have you done, sir? I mean, I think it sucks because especially as a kid, like, I'm sure that's where you got all of your anxiety. It, like, oh, 100%. <laughs> like, truly. And, and yeah, there was, yeah, a lot of my anxiety attributed to the LDS faith, yeah. the pressure from the religion. Because um, you said you were an anxious kid, right? Yeah. Was that just, like, natural? Like Naturally like... baseline anxious kid. My okay. family, it's, it's genetic. My whole family suffers from it. On my dad's side, mm. um, anxiety and depression pretty severely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so baseline, that's, that's who I was. Mm-hmm. Now they take me out of a normal elementary school, put me in a place in fourth grade where I'm taking 10 classes and trying to manage the workload of that. And then also um, dealing with not knowing how I feel about the LDS church, even yeah. at that time, right? There was, there was, um, well, not, not specifically not knowing, but just knowing that I was doing things even at that age that didn't really coincide with the beliefs of the church. Yeah. And so that was guilt, like uh-huh. insane guilt as a kid. I'm doing things that aren't qualifying me to be in heaven and, <laughs> and to be with my family, yeah. right? That was another thing is it's like, you die oh, here, yeah. but when you go to these kingdoms, you guys end up in different places. <laughs> if my parents ended up in the top kingdom, I couldn't visit them. Yeah. I could never see them. They could come and visit me, but I couldn't go up and see them. Um, and this, these were all just these points of pressure and anxiety in my life. That is, it is so interesting to hear. Anytime you talk about the LDS church, I'm like, I, like I, I'm not judging it at all because I'm just like, I don't know about it. No, and, like, I did not know anything about the LDS church until, yeah. until I started talking to you. I was like, I don't know. So it's... It's crazy, man. I it's... feel like I would like to just talk to more people about faith and religion. Because yeah. it's... I And I bet it might be different in Phoenix or this just area. Specifically Mesa. Yeah, just because in Yuma, I feel like there was Mormons... But I didn't really know what they believed. Yeah. And then there was, like, Christian and Catholics. Like, at least that's what I was associated with. Like, yeah. that's what I knew was existed. 
the religions. Yeah. Yeah. And then I feel like moving into a more diverse area, you start learning like, okay, more people are Jewish or like Mm -hmm. more people are this and more people are that. Like, I don't know. Like there's just so many different things that people believe and I just don't know. And I feel like even though I have my own set of beliefs, I'm like, I still think it's important for me to understand what other people believe Mm -hmm. in because I care about what other people believe in. Like I want to be informed and I don't want to go into stepping into any room and offend anyone because I'm an idiot. And I'm like, well, and, and, and beyond that, beyond just offending anybody, you want to be informed in what you believe for yourself. Yeah. And how are you supposed to know what you believe if you are given one set of information and go off of this and you're like, okay, this is true. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I think it's important and it's all part of a process of discovering what you believe. Um, and that's why last semester, like I took a Buddhism course just just to learn about Buddhism, you know? Um, and then I, am taking like, um, religion in America course Mm -hmm. this summer, uh, just as like an elective, just, just so that I understand. It's not like I, maybe I'll end up Buddhist. I don't know. Yeah. But it's like, just so I have an understanding of the fundamentals of different religions. And so from there I can kind of decide how I feel what I think it's something you do want to get back into right it's yeah yeah no it's it is something that I want to come to understand for myself because I it's hard to look around me and not feel like something Mm -hmm. exists it's the world is just too intricate and crazy Mm -hmm. and and all of it to make sense of it really it just is yeah um at least for me and so that leaves this desire to understand beyond that Mm -hmm. how I get there, how long it takes. It is what it is. You know, I'll get to that point eventually. And it's, it's not something I'm spending a hundred percent of myself actively seeking, but it is something that I'm attentive to as I come across people, come across opportunities. Um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. So then what do you think that your like five set of values are for your life right now? Ooh, five, be honest in my dealings with people, um, because without that, there's, there's really nothing yeah. in, in your relationships. Um, I, I mean, it's corny, but the whole treat others the way you want to be treated. Okay, like, but the golden rules are good. Yeah. <laughs> there are golden rules for a reason. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I just, I, I want to contribute to the world. I don't yeah. want to be a point of contention mm-hmm. um, or someone that causes grief in the world. There's already enough of that. We don't need people to perpetuate mm-hmm. stuff like that. Is there a way that you want to contribute or is it just kind of like any sort of I think contribution? By, I think just little things. Just by being a good person in your day-to-day dealings with others in the world, as long as you're a good person, I think that is contribution in and of itself. Yeah. Like it may not be non-profit work or going and doing volunteering yeah but you are contributing to a positive atmosphere in society and i think that that's enough you Mm -hmm. know there are some people that unfortunately don't do that and then even worse there are some people that just are super negative Mm -hmm. and and they're a ball of negativity and that is what they when they walk into a room they just piss people off They, they it is contagious so it's yeah so i think just being a good person being nice to people treating people well that's that's all it really takes. And if we can get more people to do that than not, <laughs> then we'd have a pretty good life. People I know. treat others fairly well. 
That's so funny. Because I feel like there are definitely people who are just like, I don't want... Dude, like, if I'm having retail. a bad day, you're going to have a bad day, too. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, what yeah. the heck? Yeah. Like, and, and if I watch you having a good day while I'm having a bad day, I'm pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. I had someone throw a cup of oatmeal at me one day, oh, and no. I was like, why? Like, why would you do that? And it's it was like, I feel sorry it was because I didn't have spoons. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't have spoons. And this lady threw her oatmeal at me, and I was yeah. like, okay. See, that's it's a bad fine. person. <laughs> that I mean, is a ball of negativity. And, and it, it stressed you out. I'm sure yeah. you had to take a 10, just go breathe for a little bit because you just had stuff thrown at you over, over the counter at a retail job. Oh, God. Um, I'm sure everybody else was a little caught off guard by the whole thing. Like, it, it, it affects everybody. Heck yeah. Oh, my God. All right, well, last question go of the it. day. And thank you, by the way, because I feel like you're always very honest, and I love that about you. Because, and I feel like this is the interaction that you'll get with Andrew anytime you talk to him. It's going to be honest. It's going to be vulnerable. And oh my gosh, I, this is something that I wanted to talk to you about too. And I, I don't even feel like I asked you and I'm going to try to keep it short, but you can talk as much as you want. Andrew is also, I feel like there's just an idea that like women are the vulnerable people and like men should be like strong and like firm and not say anything and whatever. Yeah. One thing that I love about Andrew and I've learned about Andrew learned from him is vulnerability. I am not as vulnerable as Andrew is. Like I feel like initially, or at least before I met him, it was just like, this is what I'm feeling and I'm just going to keep it to myself. And like, no one has to know how I'm feeling and it's fine. And I just like go about my day, do whatever I have to do. It's fine. Nobody cares. But there's something about being like vulnerable with other people and the just connection that is available there now. Like now you can understand each other and it's like, oh, like you're not just a controlling asshole. (laughs) you're, You're actually a really nice person who's going through this and I can relate. So it's like, have you always been vulnerable or has that just been something that, what has it been like to be as vulnerable as you in this world? Cause I'm like, especially as a man, how do you do it? So I, I think that, <clears throat> I think that I've always been, um, I, I would say sensitive. Yeah. Um, when it comes to certain things. So, so I was hyper aware of my own emotions and feelings in, in dealings with others. Mm -hmm. And I also picked up on others as well. And so when I would be conscious of something is going on, someone feels something, someone, whatever it was, I found that the best way to be able to make it known and, and find common ground and be able to move forward from whatever that was, was Mm -hmm. choosing to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. being honest in what, what I was feeling communicating that as clearly as possible um, and presenting it to the other person. And then from there we find that common ground um, and then can move forward. Yeah. It's, there's, there's this whole idea that, that we need to be um, kind of reserved and yeah. stoic and um, strong. And all of these are basic human emotions that regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, you're going to feel these things. Yeah. It's whether or not you choose to internalize this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've just seen that turn into um, 
just again stoic reserved disconnected people because they suppress all of their feelings and emotions and mm-hmm. and that that doesn't serve any purpose for me what serves a purpose is being able to communicate myself and how i feel clearly um and then move forward from these things yeah so, so it, it's it's not always easy and there are instances where you can be vulnerable and people can take advantage of that but yeah. there are people like that in the world yeah. Um, but I've found that more often than not, it it ends up positive mm-hmm. um, and allows these moments or interactions to move forward. Yeah, I love that, Andrew. <laughs> so then, if you could give anybody a piece of advice, a piece of advice, what would it be? I'd say just speak your mind. Like, there's, there's no reason to hold back on... If it is something that matters to you, that yeah. you care about, speak your mind. Yeah. Speak up. Say something. Um, this, this idea that, that, oh, it's not that big of a deal, or, oh, maybe I'm just feeling a little more um, crazier about these things than I should be, or trying to suppress your own emotions. If, if it is something... That's when you suppress that is when it eats at you and mm-hmm. then it snowballs and it turns into a breaking point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so biting the bullet on it and just making it known, talking about these things, mm-hmm. just speak up. And you know what? This is stupid, but you like just were so smart and so lovely. But I'm thinking about those moments in the shower because I have them a lot. You probably don't <laughs> like getting going in the shower and like after a just annoying situation or maybe you're like flashing back to two weeks ago when something happened you're like why the heck didn't I say that like why the heck didn't I say that and it's like it doesn't even matter it's like as long as you're honest as long as you who cares what the other person's going to think as long as you got it off your chest if it matters to you enough then get it off your chest exactly what what the other person feels about it doesn't I mean, it, it is important to kind of consider that. But yeah. at the same time, like, like not at the sake of your own well-being. Yeah. 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 And, like, of course, considering what Andrew said, like, be kind always. Like, don't be a dick. But if you genuinely have something that you have to say, but the reason you don't want to say it is based on what is the other person going to think, then that's not an excuse. Like, it, it's not. And I, I'm guilty of trying to hold back because I want to make sure that everyone else is comfortable. But honestly, we're getting too old for that. And I think we're going to be much happier when we're 87 years old, knowing that we said everything we had to say. And also when you are honest and you say what you have to say, you're going to attract the right people. Because if you say something and the like this person is going to judge you based off of that or whatever, then you don't want them in your life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It cuts through a lot of the BS. Oh, yeah. No BS here. (laughs) Well, that is all we have for today. And I feel like we only talked for like 12 minutes, but it's an all-there long, long podcast. So if you got this far, thank you so much for listening. Please follow my friend. I don't know his Instagram. I think it's AndrewShoop98. Yes, ma'am. Heck, yeah. So got it. He's a smart one, he's a wise one, and he's going to have a pad in Seattle. (laughs) So ladies, if you need a place to stay, hit up my boy Andrew. May through August, I'll be there. (laughs) Alrighty, bye guys. See you next week.